four remain seated tonight, if you don't mind. We're going to read some scripture. I'm going to preach about four different things in James 4. Uh, Mainly, we're going to let the scripture preach for itself, and then we're going to let the Lord have the invitation as we build up toward our vision Sunday. Uh, upcoming this Sunday morning, and I'm going to ask you tonight to do a little prep work in that, that as we get around to next Sunday, rolling around, that you'll be ready to do the will of God in the new year. James chapter 4, look at verse 7. I'm going to read down several verses, and we'll pray and jump right into it. Begin working toward the invitation time. The Bible says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. We're going to stop there. Let's pray together. Lord, I do thank you again for your word. And Lord, I know we have tonight what you've given us to preach. And Lord, I pray that your word, your quick, your living and powerful word would have its way tonight. As, Lord, we pray and our burden is that our hearts would be ready for Sunday, Lord, if you should tarry, Lord, as we have our vision Sunday, looking forward to the burden you've laid upon our heart for the year. Now, Father, help us be ready. Help us not wait until Sunday to get ready to be used of you and to be obedient to your will, whatever it is. Now, Father, I pray that you'd speak through your word tonight, whatever the needs are, Lord, you know that where they're at. Uh, Father, wherever our shortcomings are at, you know where they're at, and I pray tonight you'd show that to us. Or that during the invitation time, we might be prepared, be a vessel ready for your use, for it's in Jesus' name, amen. I always look forward to Vision Sunday. For me, it's one of the most important Sundays of the year. Uh, one of the most important Sundays on our church's calendar where we all get an idea of what God would have us to do in the direction that God's leading us in the new year. It's kind of that bullseye we're all shooting toward. And then we all begin working toward that. Uh, I believe that we have no clue this year what God could do with us if we all pull in the same direction in the will of God for our individual lives and then collectively as a church. I told my wife a story this afternoon that uh, I read back in November, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I'm going to wait until Sunday to tell you the second half, which is the best half, but it was a story about draft horses. If you've ever been on a farm or been around one of those working farms where they have those large Belgian horses uh, that, that pull the implements that are there, maybe up in Amish country, uh, it's amazing when you study how strong those animals are. I was reading about some draft horses, and it says your average draft horse can pull over 8,000 pounds. Now, you think about that. That's a lot of weight to be pulling around those great implements or trailers, maybe loaded down with grain, 8,000 pounds that one draft horse can pull and can work. What's amazing, though, is if you put a yoke out there and you put two of those draft horses under the same yoke pulling the same load, the the strength of those horses multiplies to 24,000 pounds. Now, you think about that. One horse can pull 8,000, but when you put both of those horses together and they're pulling in the same direction, they accomplish so much more than they could have accomplished on their own. Now, folks, I believe that's what God would have us do as a church, that we wouldn't just be rogue members pulling in our own direction, but God would have us all work together pulling in the same direction, and Vision Sunday is all about that, where we get an idea of what God desires us to do, and then we get together and we all pull in that same direction. That's what Ecclesiastes says, isn't it? That two are better than one. The Bible says we have a good reward. That means there's a a good profit and there's a a, a productive time when we work together in the will of God going in the same direction. Now, I believe 2023 could be probably our most abundant year if we so desire that. 
I don't believe that God is going to withhold his power in the new year. I don't believe that God is withholding his will to us in the new year. I believe we have just as good a chance as we've ever had before, individually and collectively, to do more than we've ever done before. But the truth is that all falls to us. If we end up and get to the end of 2023 and we have not fulfilled the will of God and fulfilled his vision for our church, I promise you it will not be God's fault. God knows the state of our world better than we do. God can look down at America 2023 and he can see beyond what we see on the news and he can see the truth of man by looking in their heart. You know, we think this world is evil, don't we? I mean, it is evil, by the way. I saw where so many of our senators up there in Washington today are prepared to vote against a bill that would supply life-saving medical attention to children that are born during the process of abortion. And I think to myself, how could you willingly allow a child to die? Why? Because this world is evil. And as evil as we think it is, God can peer into the deepest, darkest regions of our heart. And God can see who we really are and just how bad we are. God knows how bad things are. Now, don't you believe tonight that God wants to change things? Do you think for a moment that God likes the direction of how things are going and where we're headed? I don't believe God likes it at all. I believe tonight that our Heavenly Father is the same one that was the one back in the Old Testament who looked down upon his people and begged them to repent, to turn back to him and to turn from the way. That's what God wants for us tonight. But God works through people. God works through his church. That's you and I. And God wants to work through us in the new year to fulfill his will, but that falls to us to decide whether or not we're going to be a part of what God wants to do. I believe it was back in June, we were at a conference and leaned over to my wife and I says, I know what the burden is for 2023. I said, that's so weird. I don't normally know and have an idea. Usually turn around August, September. This year in June, it was so clear and apparent what God wanted to do in our church in the new year if he were to tarry. Now, by the way, if he doesn't tarry, you can have a great time Sunday morning, all right? Do what you want. Sing what you want. I will not be here. But if he does tarry, I believe we know what God wants us to do. The question is, are we going to be about the will of God for our life? Now, tonight in James 4, there are some very, very specific things that I believe that God would have us do in preparation for what he wants us to do. All throughout scripture, we read about God's will and what God wanted for his people. Now, if you've read your Bible, by the way, I hope you're reading your Bible, reading through your checklist this year, going through our Bible reading plan. I hope you're enjoying that. I've enjoyed this year's reading. We're only a few days in, but I've enjoyed this year's reading so richly. I've enjoyed it so much. It's blessed my heart and stirred my heart and refilled my spirit, and I hope you're staying in the Word of God. But when you read the Word of God, you read that God had a will for His people all throughout Scripture, but just because God willed it didn't mean it happened, did it? Just because God has a vision for our church for the new year doesn't mean it's going to happen. Just because God has a plan for our church in the new year doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen. We've got to do our part in making sure God's will is done. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, I believe the answer is in James chapter 4. What do we need to do in order to be prepared to see God's will fulfilled in our church? Well, I believe the answer is over in verse number 8. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and then watch this, and he will draw nigh to you. I want you to hear that last part. 
Do you know, regardless of the preparation that's going into Sunday and the New Year's theme and all the planning, all the prayers, all the work that's going into preparing for what God wants us to do in the New Year, do you know that all of that will be in vain if God's presence is not amongst his people? All, what does the song say? All is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Now, I want you to notice verse 8. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh unto us. That means God wants to be amongst his people. That God desires that his presence be amongst his people. Because the Bible says that without him, watch this, none of this is going to be possible. With God, all things are possible. Without God, none of this is possible. We can do our best, and we can study, and we can pray, and thank God for people that do that. But without the presence of God in our church... I tell you, it's impossible to fulfill what God's called us to do. Now, tonight I want to show you what I believe God tells us in verse number 8 on how we can have his presence. It says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. The only hope that we have of fulfilling God's will this year is to do it with God. With God. Now, folks, I know you're saying, well, that sounds redundant. We know that. Listen, we've been hearing that since we were in elementary school. I hate to tell you, how often do we do things in our life without God? How often do we try on our own strength or our own intelligence or our own experience and think that's going to do the job? No, we've got to have God here. If we don't have God in the middle of what he desires us to do, I hate to tell you we're going to finish 2023 empty-handed. But with God, with God, all things are possible. So tonight we're going to look at this thought of the price of his presence. This message will be very simple. I'm going to let the scripture speak for itself. Tonight, I hope and you pray that we will desire to have God's presence in the midst of our church. I hope you you pray that we have God's presence in the midst of your home. Look, God desires things for your home this year. He desires things for your life this year. But without God, it's not going to happen. And so we've got to figure out how to do things with God and how to get God right here in the middle of the work that he desires to do. So there are four things I'm going to give you rather quickly. And then we're going to get to the invitation time because the invitation times where we have the opportunity to decide whether or not we are going to fulfill our part in order so God could do his. So what is the first thing? Look at verse 7. This is very simple tonight. But I want you to pay close attention at how we can have God draw nigh to us. Verse 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Now, here's what's interesting. Verse 7 gives us commands. Verse number 8, the second half, gives us commands. Verse 9 gives us commands. But in the middle of verse number 8, we have a commitment from God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful when God makes a commitment to us. Why? I know he'll keep his commitment. That whatever God says, it will be true. His word is true. And God is committed that he will draw nigh to us. Now, I don't know about you. That's what I pray for in this new year. That God would draw nigh to us. That all that we seek to do in God's plan and his vision for our church, that God is going to be right there in the middle of that. But how do we get there? How do we get God to draw nigh to us? Verse 7, there's the first thing I want you to see. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Now, we're going to start with a very steep cost. This price of of the presence of God in our church, the very first one is a yielded will. A yielded will. Now, stick with me tonight. This is going to be very, very simple. But I want you to allow God's word to speak to you tonight. He says, I want to draw nigh to you. 
God wants to be his presence in this place. I'll tell you, when God's presence is in a place, things start to change. All throughout Scripture, we read of when God showed up on the scene, how things begin to change. I don't know about you, there's things in my life that need to change. Uh, There's things in our church that needs to change. There's things in our town that needs to change. The only way they're going to change is for God to show up. Now, he's told us how he'll show up. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. That's a yielded will. Folks, I don't believe God's going to work in our church in the new year, regardless of all that we plan and all that we prepare, unless we as the people of Central Baptist Church have a yielded will. That means where I take self and I take me and I take my and I place it underneath the authority of God. That's what yielded means. That I, Brother Copeland mentioned this several times throughout uh, our youth revival about the word submit. It's not just for ladies, it's for all of us to submit ourselves to God. Now, notice that important part. I have to be willing to do that. I'm submitting myself. I mean, there are times I'd love to submit my child and submit my wife to the will of God, but you know, they have to decide that for themselves. If we truly desire God to show up in this place, listen, do you remember the story of Obed-Edom in the Bible? Remember the ark of God came into his house? And what did the Bible say when the ark of God came into Obed-Edom's house? The Bible says that God blessed him in all of his house. You say, why was he so blessed? God was in the middle of his home. And when God shows up in the middle of something, things start to change. Oh, what, what God could do in this church if we, his people, desired his presence. He said, well, I want God here. I don't think there's a person in here tonight. We have a church vote. Let's vote on it, all right? How many of you want God here? I think all of us would raise their hand. Amen? I want him here. I want him here. But watch this. It's not a vote that we can make with our mouth. It's a vote that we make with our submission of our will to him. I believe that's why God doesn't work in the desired way that he desires to work. Because we have his people. We won't submit to that. Now think about this tonight. We can't ask God to work and then refuse to let him. Okay? You say, well, I want God to work in Central this year. Look, if you're a member of this church, you are Central, right? This building's not our church. You're the church. And if we want God to work in this church, we've got to be willing to submit our will to him that he could work in us. We've got to volunteer. God, if you want to begin working in this place in 2023, God, start with me. I want to tell you something. It takes a lot of spiritual guts. To be willing to volunteer, you say, say, God, I don't know what you desire to do, but God, I want your presence in this place, so I'm willing to submit myself. One of my favorite all-time quotes by Andrew Murray is this, God is ready to assume full responsibility of a life wholly yielded to him. God is ready to take full responsibility for the life that's wholly yielded to him. You ever wonder what you could become if you just place your life within the hands of God? God, I don't know what you want me to be. He took a shepherd and made a king out of him. He took a persecutor and made a preacher out of him. I wonder what God could do with us if we just said, God, I'm yielded. 2023, God, I'm starting it off. Before Vision Sunday gets here, I'm giving you my life. I'm submitting myself to you. Why? I want you to draw nigh unto us. We want your presence here at Central Baptist Church. I think about the disciples in Matthew 4. You think about all those boys, things those boys got to see. The miracles, 
how God blessed and multiplied and healed and God raised the dead. They got to see all of that. Uh, Leslie was talking to Miley this afternoon on the way home from school, talking about when we stand before God and what we'll know and what we won't know and what we'll see and what we won't see and how neat it would be if God had, you know, a little place off to the side where every once in a while we could go back and, and watch what he did in different times in the Bible. Mine would probably be the Red Sea. I want to go see the Red Sea. I'd love to see that happen and just see how close Hollywood got it when they did it with Charlton Heston. I'd love to see that. Those boys, those new disciples got to see so many wonderful things that God got to do. But do you know why they got to see that? Because there was a time in Matthew chapter 4 where he said, follow me. And they left their nets. Do you know what that was? They were submitting their will. Okay. Okay. Now, if Jesus would have said, look, if you come with me. Now, folks, this is how I am. I want you to convince me to go with you. I want you to convince me to get on board with some. My wife has to do that about family projects around the house. Hanging pictures. Oh, one of you young men need to learn how to hang pictures, and I'll pay you to do that. Those command strips, those are awesome, but they can only hold so much weight. Laying there in bed at night, you hear something fall, you know, because you hate having to find the stud, you know, and put that the shield in the wall for the sheetrock. I hate having to do all of that. And my wife will say, honey, you know, isn't this a beautiful picture? That is a beautiful picture. I've noticed it's been sitting on the floor there for about six months. That's an odd place for a picture, but that's where she's had it. She said, you know what? It would look so much better up on this wall. Wouldn't people come in and see that beautiful picture of the trip that we took? Yeah, I know what she's getting to. She's trying to talk me into getting on board with her plan to hang the picture. And usually I try to do that. God didn't have to talk them into it. God just says, follow me, Christ said, and I will make you fishers of men. That's all he offered to them. But oh, if they could have seen what he was going to do. Boy, I think they'd have left them nets even faster. We're going to get to see the dead raised to life. The blind are going to see. The lame are going to walk. He's going to multiply bread and fish. We're going to get to see all of that. But it began with them submitting their will. Straightway they left their nets and they followed him. Folks, I wonder tonight, I really do, what is it tonight God wants us to yield before we can see what he wants to do? God wants to work in 2023. If he tarries, I know God wants to work in 2023. What is it tonight that God wants you to leave behind and yield to him? Romans 6, 13, the Bible says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. You see, the Bible says you have that ability to let go of yourself and give it to God. But notice it says you get to pick whether you yield it as an instrument of righteousness or unrighteousness. Now, I think when I think about the word instrument, I obviously think about musical instruments. I know it's not what he's talking about, but don't you think about that? Uh, sometimes I think the music of our life is determined by who we've yielded to play the instrument. Think about it. You say, well, my life is not everything that I'd like it to be. My question is, who have you yielded that instrument to? Oh, when you give your life to God and you yield it to God, I promise you God can do more with your instruments than you can. But you've got to let go of it. Number one. Number one, the price for his presence this year is what? It's a yielded will. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I want to show you how to do that before I give you the second one. We're going to go quick. I want to get to the invitation tonight. We need some time to yield some things. He says in verse 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, in order to submit to God, you've got to resist something else. All right? 
You can't submit to God and submit to self in the same time. You can only submit to one, and if you submit to one, you're naturally resisting the other. You can't submit to two at one time. I believe this is our problem tonight. We want to submit to God, and we want to be used by God, but in order to submit to God, we have to resist something else. Folks, you've got to decide. I've got to decide in 2023, who am I going to submit to and who am I going to resist? If you choose to submit to God, you've got to resist the devil. But if you choose to resist God, you're you're submitting to the devil. See how that works? You can't have it both ways tonight. We've got to have a yielded will. I believe with all my heart you're less likely to yield to the devil what you've already submitted to God. And so number one tonight, a yielded will. Let's hurry. He says in verse number eight, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. So what are we wanting? We want God to draw nigh to us. Isn't that what we want? We want God in the middle of Central Baptist Church in 2023. You want God in the middle of your home in 2023. That's what you want. Whether you realize it or not, that's what you want. You want God in the middle of your life in 2023. That's what you want. But in order to have that, we've got to have a submitted will. But then he says in verse number 8, the second thing we need to do is draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God. Now, I found it interesting today as I was reading verse 8 when he says draw nigh, the very fact that we need to draw nigh, it kind of gives us an idea that there's a distance, doesn't it? There's distance. I don't know if you know this, but we as human Christians, we drift. We drift. I don't know about you. Sometimes I drift bad. I'd be amazed at how many, how many minutes it takes us to get out of a church service for we already started backsliding. Isn't that the sin of the Old Testament? Israel, backsliding. You see, we have a natural tendency to be affected by spiritual gravity. It pulls us downhill. He says, if you want me to draw nigh, number two, here's the second price we're going to have to pay. Number two, a closer walk. A closer walk. Number one, a yielded will. Number two, a closer walk. Can I tell you, look, I I know a lot of you, and I believe a lot of you really do walk with the Lord. I believe most of you walk with the Lord, and I hope that's true. But if we desire more of God... Doesn't it just seem right that we should walk more with him and closer to him? How can we ask God to do more in our church this year without us being willing to draw closer to him? I mean, Brother Michael, we're talking the other day in in the office, talking about the new year, and uh, you'd think we were six months in. We're only about 10 days into this thing, but I said, Brother Michael, I've tried to give God more this year. I know we're early, but so far, so good. Amen? Doesn't it feel good to be up with your Bible reading? Feels good. You're like, yes. And some of, you, some of you just looked at me with a frown. No, you're not. Catch up tonight, okay? Don't go home and turn on the TV. Catch up on your Bible. It feels good to be where you need to be. I, wanna, I want you to know, I want to do more for God. I do. But that requires me to give more to God. That means in my mornings, I got to get up earlier. And I have. I said, okay, God, I'm going to give you more. I told Brother Michael, it takes me 10 minutes to get my brain turned on. Anybody else there? The time it takes me to get out of bed and go turn the coffee pot on, and I'm waiting for it to, the Keurig, you know, waiting for it to warm up. By the time it warms up, I brew my coffee, put in the cream and the sugar, get it stirred and sat down. My brain is now ready to pray. But oh, how sweet it is to spend more time with God. I don't think I can expect more for God without being willing to give more to God. I've got to have a closer walk. And say, I want to draw closer to you this year. Why? Because I want more of your presence in my life. And the closer we get to God, the more of God rubs off on us. Amen? 
What a blessing it is when you can tell that your life is being changed because you're spending more time with God, having a closer walk with God. There's more power in your life. You have more of his presence in your life. Oh, how sweet it is. But you've got to decide you want a closer walk. I want to be closer this year. Look what he says. Verse 8, draw nigh to God. He says, I, I need you to draw closer. Why? Because you want me to draw nigh into you. I've told you this probably a dozen times, but I've never forgotten this, and boy, it impacted my life. John had a speaker come to the camp years ago, and he says, draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you, and don't forget that God's steps are bigger than yours. That's awesome. You know, I have a little 10 and a half, 11 size foot, or maybe it's little to me, you know, uh, but God's feet, I don't know how big God's feet are. But the Bible says that when I draw nigh to him, say, I want a closer walk with you this year. Why? Because I want you to be closer to me, and I take one of my steps toward God. He takes one of his steps toward me, and I have a closer walk with him. Jeremiah 8, 5, the Bible says, why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to see. They refuse to return. What is he saying? He says, look, the natural forces of life and the world that we're living in are going to pull you away from God. Have you noticed that? Just like gravity. Gravity is a natural thing. There is a spiritual gravity that wants to pull you away from God. And we've got to fight to draw nigh to him. Why? Because just living in this world, you're going to find yourself separating from Sunday to Sunday. Oh, I hate to tell you, if you're living Sunday to Sunday and that's all that you got, uh, and you don't have a walk with God, you're going to drift, you're going to drift, and God's presence in your life is not going to be what it should be. So number one, what does he say? Yield to will. Number two, he says, I want you to have a closer walk. Can I get your mind going just for a second before I give you the third thing? If we aren't as close to God today as we have been, what came between us? If we aren't as close to God today as we have been, what came between us? Now, I will promise you this. If you're willing to ask God that question, he will show you. He will. He will show you specifically. Just get along with God. I told someone the other day, I said, when you're praying, when I'm praying in the morning, I'll talk to God for a little while, then I'll just sit there and be quiet. I'll let him talk a little while. It's amazing what God has to say if you'll just listen. He'll start pointing things out to you. That came between me and you. You want more of my presence in your life. You want me to draw nigh to you. You've got to draw nigh to me. But you've got to figure out what is it between me and God that separated me from him. And he starts putting his finger on those things. And then it's up to you and I to get rid of those things. So number two, a closer walk. Let's keep reading. I told you it's going to be very simple. The Bible says draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. What's the next thing? Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. A yielded will, a closer walk. Number three, clean hands. Clean hands. You don't have to be saved very long to realize that God wants his children to be clean. God wants his vessels to be clean. And we can't sit back and say, God, use us in the new year. God, use Central in the new year if we know we're dirty vessels. Now, folks, look, there's not a one of us in here tonight that hasn't been a dirty vessel. There's not a one of us who hasn't had a stain in our life at times, and we've been unuseful to God. But if you desire God's presence, that's look, with God, all things are possible. With God in the middle of this thing this year, there's no telling what, what's going to happen. But God's not going to show up and fill an empty vessel. It's not going to happen. With God, all things are possible. How do we be with God? Number three, clean hands. The other day I was in Louisiana, and I went hunting with my father-in-law. I was sitting up in a deer stand and watching a corn feeder that they had out there. And 
Uh, all of a sudden, a family of raccoons comes out. Big, fat raccoon and three little skinny ones. I'm assuming it was a mom and some babies kind of come out there. And they were picking up the corn. I was watching them through my binoculars. It was amazing. They were picking up this corn and went over to a mud puddle, and they started washing the corn. I thought, wow, you know, that's some finicky critters. So I did a little reading on it. Sure enough, they washed their food. They, I mean, they're better off than some people I know. You know, I've seen some of you, that three-second rule ain't real. You know that, don't you? You know, I've seen you drop chicken nuggets over there in the gym. I mean, have you seen some of the kids that play in our gym? Chicken nugget, drop, five-second five rule, blow it off, man. I'm not eating that. And no telling what some of those people walk through in that place. I mean, it is nasty. These raccoons just had enough sense. They had to wash their food, keep it clean. They wanted it clean. Why well, I, well, I thought about that tonight of how, oh, if God's people were just as picky as those raccoons. We made sure that our life stayed clean. We're going to keep it clean. We're not going to let anything in our home that's going to defile our home. We're not going to let anything in our heart. We're not going to do it. The Bible says, my son of sinners, entice thee, consent thou not. No, I don't want to be dirty. I don't want my home to be dirty, my heart to be dirty, my mind to be dirty. I want to stay clean. Why? I want God's presence in my life. The quickest way to run God off out of your life and his presence from this church is for us to get complacent about repentance. That we know something's not right in our life, that we don't get it right and we're a dirty vessel. God said, I'm not going to use that. And by the way, it's not my definition of clean or yours. Aren't you glad? It's not me who says, oh, you're dirty. I am so thankful I'm not a priest where you come to me and confess your sins. I'm so thankful for that. Some of you try every once in a while. It does no good to tell me. I don't want to know. It's not me that points out your sin. Hey, it's only what God says is what matters. And we go before God and we say, God, search me, oh God, and know my heart. I want to be a clean vessel. Why? I want your presence in my life because without you, I can do nothing. You see how that works? This is why righteousness still matters to God. Holiness still matters to God. Repentance still matters to God. I don't know that you believe me, so now we have to go look at a reference, okay? Revelation chapter 2, go with me real quick. Revelation chapter 2, I want you to see something. Very simple, folks. This is very simple. This is the key to God's presence this year. Revelation chapter 2, we're reading red letters, Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus. Watch this. Verse 1, Revelation 2, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works. Can I tell you, that is the only person that matters, what God knows about you, okay? I'm susceptible to it, you're susceptible to it, but truthfully, can I tell you, what other people think about us doesn't matter. All right, our reputation is important. I agree with you on that, but listen to me. What God knows about us, the inner reaches of our heart, God knows. He says, I know thy works. Watch, there's no point in praying that God would fill us this year if we know that God knows we're dirty. I know thy works and thy labor, and thy patience, and how, mu- how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and how thou hast tried them which, are, which say they are prof- uh, apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Stop right there. Notice he's not saying they're bad people. All right? There can be good things in our life. doesn't mean we're all bad, but notice he's about to tell them what their problem is. And has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake, has labored and has not fainted. 
Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Watch verse 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick. You know what he's saying? I'm going to remove your opportunity. I'm going to remove your candlestick. God says, I'm not going to use you. Now, wait a minute. You say, well, look what they did. They had patience. They had labor. They didn't bear those that were evil. They tried those who were apostles and has found them liars. But God says, just because there's some good in there, we don't just have positives that cancel out the negatives. You know, that's how a lot of people believe in our world. I talk to people all the time about their soul. Here's what they'll tell me. Oftentimes, I'm just hoping the pluses outweigh the minuses. It's not the way God works. You say, well, God, there's a few knotheads in our church, but most of our people are good. God says, no, I want you to purge it out. Get rid of the sin. Get clean. Repent is what he says. Watch verse 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works. Number two, we have a closer walk. Number three, we've got to have clean hands. That's why 2 Chronicles 7, 14, he tells them to turn from their wicked ways. God says, I know whether or not you're clean. I know whether or not you're right. God says, if you want my presence, you want me to draw nigh to you, oh, can I tell you, I want nothing more than God to draw nigh to our church in the new year. That God would be right here in the middle of what he desires to do, and we would get to see God do things that are beyond our comprehension. Can I tell you, God wants to, but we as his people have to desire his presence enough to have clean hands. And finally, I'll give you this. Look down at what he says. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Watch this, ye double-minded. Ye double-minded. doesn't take much to read into what he's saying there. He says, I want you to have a yielded will. Submit yourselves to me. Yield all of it to me. I, I want you to have clean hands. I want you to have a closer walk. But watch this. He says, I don't want you to be double-minded. Number four, and this is it tonight. I believe the price we're going to have to pay to have God draw nigh to us is a committed life. Now, we'll go ahead and point out the obvious. My wife says, when I give her my notes this afternoon, she says, you have three C's and one Y. I see some of you smiling. You were thinking, now look, don't spend the rest of the service trying to figure out how you can convert the Y to the C, okay? When you get home, break out the old Webster's thesaurus. You can text me after the service. I tried. It just didn't work, okay? So I just went with the Y, but regardless tonight of whether it's alliterated, I know that God says in verse number 8, he says, if you want my presence to draw nigh to you, you've got to have a committed life. We want God, watch this, here's what we want. We want God all in, don't we? We want God all in at Central this year. We want the presence of God here. We want people coming from Hattiesburg to see what God's doing because they heard of what God's doing. And we want God all in. Here's the question, are we? Are we? Boy, you get quiet on me tonight. I mean, Brother Richard must be up in the sound booth. It gets quiet down here. Brother Richard's not down here. Can I tell you something? If we want God to be all in, we've got to be all in. We can't expect God to fill this place if we're not filling this place. We can't expect God's presence to be here if our presence is not here. So what does he say? He says, cleanse your hand, clean up your hands, get things out of your life. And then he says, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You say, that sounds familiar. There's another place in the Bible. Yeah, there's another place where the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. The Bible says, let not that man think he shall receive anything of God. 
that double-minded man. God says, I want you to be all in. God says, you want me to be there? Hey, you be there. You want me to fill that place? You fill that place. And always the people of God. I understand. Look, I totally get it. There are so many things in life that pull our attention, our affections every way, doesn't it? We've got work and school and kids and activities and marriage and date nights and all of these other things. And we get pulled in every which way. But one thing we've got to be committed to is the will and the work of God in our life. I'm all in on that one. Sometimes I have to juggle family and and work and friends and respond. Hey, we all have to do that. But one thing we shouldn't juggle is the will of God and the work of God in our life. Be all in on it. All in on it. I wonder what God would do. Watch this. You say, well, and here's what we do. We put all of these qualifiers on God working. Well, if this person and that person, if the preacher was different and all, hey, okay. Can I tell you, he gave us the qualifiers right there for where he'll draw an eye. He says, hey, have a yielded will, verse 7. Verse number 8, he says, hey, I want you to have a closer walk. I want you to have clean hands. And finally, I want you to have a committed life. What was the problem that Elijah had on Mount Carmel? What did he tell the people? He says, you know, you're going back and forth between God and Baal. How long halts you between two opinions? How long halts you? Notice, the longer we're indecided about being committed to the will of God, we're halted. You're stopped dead in your tracks. As long as you're caught between two, trying to be committed to the will of God and committed to the world, no, as long as you're caught between the two, you're halted. You're not going anywhere. But oh, when God works is when God's people are all in. And watch this. Here's old Elijah all by himself, committed to God. What happened? God showed up. And boy, did God show up. How I'd love to see the fire of God fall on this place. That God would do something in these last days that maybe we haven't seen in our life and surely these kids haven't seen in theirs. He said, well, those days are past, chapter and verse. Give me a chapter and verse on that one. You know, I, I hang around a lot of pessimists sometimes and, well, you know, God's just beyond that and we're on this cruise control waiting for the trump of God to sound. Chapter and verse, please. I believe God desires to work in this place now as much as he's ever desired to work before. Why? So much the more as you see the day approaching. The day is approaching. He says, hey, you ought to be all in like never before. And I believe God wants to be all in like never before. But we as his people aren't committed. All in this year. So what is the key? Very simple. Told you tonight. Very simple. We've got to have God in the middle. We need what verse 8 says. We need for him to draw nigh to us, to be in the middle of this place. How do we do that? Number one, the price is going to be a yielded life. You have a yielded life. Yielded life. Number two, closer walk. You want more? Give more. You want more of God? Give more time to him. You want more of his presence? Give more of you to him. Until after a while, you've yielded it all up. Yielded life, closer walk, clean hands. Clean hands. Now look. I have no clue, and I don't want to know. But God knows our works. He knows. He can look down inside the vessel of our heart, and he can see those spots and that dirt and that mire. And boy, we're talking about wanting God to work. God says, clean your hands. Wash your hands. Have half the sense of a raccoon. Let's clean it up a little bit. Finally, be committed in our life. The devil's going to give you plenty of reasons not to be committed. I know that. I may be one of them at times. Somebody in here may be someone at times. I mean, you're going to have plenty of reasons not to be committed. Here's the question. Is the reason he gives you greater than the presence of God in your life? Think about it. 
Whatever reason he gives you not to be committed, is that reason greater than God's presence in your life? No way. A person, look, offending me is not worth costing me God's presence in my life. A person dislodging me from my commitment, not worth it at all. Somebody hurting my feelings, not worth it at all. Why? I need God in the middle because with God, all things are possible. All things are possible in your heart, your home, and this church. If God is in the middle, the question is tonight, are we willing to pay those prices? Are we going to be yielded? Walk closer, clean hands, committed life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to stop right there. Let's stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.